got the prepper coming up. We have attacks taking place in Texas on the streets as people start to lose their mind and begin to or in other times be passed off as just an aggressive nature. We also have violent attacks taking place at people's home across the United States. And I just received one email from a prepper in this community that said they believe that they were targeted because of their preparedness. Now, I asked them a whole bunch of information, like, did their car have decals on it? You know, do they have follow-up pattern of deliveries, or do they have a normal pattern of behavior that could have been targeted? And yes, they did make some what could have been fatal mistakes there. Their vehicle has arms uh, decals on it or weapons decals on it. That's going to give anybody watching you an idea that you might have expensive firearms or tools inside of your house. It doesn't often act as a deterrent because the individual will just say, now I know what I'm up against and they're going to come and attack you anyways. We are also starting to see things like the uh, firearms attack inside of New York in the subway there where an innocent person came to the aid of another innocent individual. Then they got arrested because they used a tool for self-defense to stop what could have been otherwise a deadly mugging or a deadly attack. Here in the United States of America right now, upside down is the right way up. Right is wrong, and they're doing everything they can to confuse the people as much as possible. I'm going to start to urge you to look out for things that could otherwise blow over or could become a larger, more kinetic or violent event. Road rage is one of those things that we're seeing on an increase. And like I said in yesterday's video with the police officer saying that they are being warned that there is an increase in violent attacks expected in the next couple of days or maybe even the next couple of weeks. What I think is going to happen here is this whole Middle Eastern problem that our world is facing is going to become an individual problem, a societal problem. We're already seeing them march on Joe Biden's home as they say that the United States is perpetrating Middle Eastern violence. We're already starting to see them. And let me remind you, if violent protesters marched on a president's home wearing maybe Donald Trump gear, would they be labeled as just innocent protesters? I'm not for Trump. I'm not for Biden. I'm just telling you that there is definitely a little bit of favoritism at play in what the media wants to show you. Now, we also see the occupation of different government offices across the United States of America. We have seen some American flag burning here on U.S. soil. Why aren't you turning on the news and hearing about these things? Why aren't your local shock jocks or anybody who's discussing these things talking about it? They're not saying that you need to start watching out when you send your kids to school, are they? Has anybody else said that besides me? They're not telling you that your wife needs to start carrying better protection at work. Why aren't they saying that? Now, I'm going to tell you, if you do start to see riots or protests across the USA in an effect in your area, you need to stay far away from them because not only are agent provocateurs, and if anybody doesn't know what an agent provocateur is, it's somebody who goes in there in an official capacity, but hidden on the down low. And they go in there to stir up trouble because the idea is that if somebody provokes violence at a protest, it wouldn't have already happened anyways. And so what they're doing is just implementing a control structure inside of it to initiate it and then be able to uh, you know, attack it at a, an official level, at a uh, police level or riot gear level. So agent provocateurs definitely already at play here. We did just see uh, organizations across the USA admit to using fake social media accounts 
to bring people's emotions up to violence, up to unrest in the USA. We are already starting to see a huge influx of people who have no paper trail, no data trail in the USA perpetrating violent crime. And that's just literally the beginning. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about some news stories that we have here. One of them is that these prices are going to continue to spike, according to economists. They're saying that not only has a mega drought slammed the U.S. and shrank cattle supplies, we're also starting to see now a never-before-seen change in inflation's effect on food. The historic dry spells, they say, maybe they ease. Inventories of hay are very low. This has whittled down the worn herd size. It's now at a 70-year low. Farmers can't farm anymore. The people producing your produce can't produce anymore. The government subsidized this for so long to keep the food at what used to be a barely scrapable buy amount. Now it's not even affordable anymore. People are literally going hungry for keeping their lights turned on. The Chinese military has been by Beijing leadership to increase their provocations, according to the Pacific Fleet Commander, Admiral Samuel Paparo. China wants to create this tense, uncomfortable situation, they say, in the hopes that the United States or a partner ally, our forces, will be forced to vacate the space and that every force that it has the right to be in will leave. The People's Liberation Army ships and aircraft are uh, taking over the Pacific Fleet. They are, according to the Admiral, telling a small group of reporters at times, creating hazardous situations themselves. They are hazardous, hazardous people, they say. When asked if Chinese pilots and ship captains are being directed to be more aggressive and follow these orders, Pomparo said that the PRC is pressing unlawful claims with no basis of international law or custom order. And so here we have a country, the South China Sea, Asia, China. We have our country, America. We have our nation torn apart in three different conflicts, Middle East, Europe, and Asia. And yet they still won't call this a world war. Now, according to the Admiral, when the PRC turns up by Guam or Alaska, they're greeted with professional behavior from U.S. units. When we say the United States will sail or fly in international airspace according with international law, we adhere, this, adhere to this for all states. The Admiral did say that Chinese behavior and maneuvers passing through the Aleutians are going to create what could be a tinderbox. Now, if you know a tinderbox, it's a box with tinder inside of it. It just takes one spark. The whole thing becomes a light. The U.S. power grid, according to new government officials, is at an elevated risk for severe winter failure across the entire country. With winter approaching, they say the United States will face a significant uh, risk of nationwide or statewide failure. This could happen during major storms or prolonged cold spells. According to the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, the organization that's responsible for monitoring this, it's time for people to get ready. From Canada to Texas, they say, but yet all this money that they're giving to the Middle East, <coughs> excuse me, all the money that they're giving to Ukraine, are they buying you a solar generator? Are they uh, buying you one single solar battery so that you can keep your oxygen generator on for your grandma? Or you can keep the lights on for a little Timmy? 
or you can keep cooking or keep your deep freezer on or keep your refrigerator on. No, because what they plan to do is just tell you maybe a little, a teensy weeny about how bad things are going to be. And then they leave the rest up to you, jokers. And they say, well, we told you, sorry. Oh, grandma died? Well, we did warn you this was going to be an especially hard winter. And so they do this time and again until one day the strap breaks, one day the hammer hits, and one day revolution rings out. The arrival of the Ohio-class submarine from U.S. Central Command recently shows a responsibility that the United States will carry out significant actions against our enemies. Under the UNCLOS, which the United States recognizes as customary international law, this deployment of our vessels in international waters is permissible. The concept of innocent passage allows for the navigation of military vessels through a country's territorial waterway so long as it is continuous, expeditious, and not prejudiced to peace, good order, or security of the state. So here we have our, our military operating inside sometimes the waterways of other countries. They're showing them we can get right in your backyard. They're showing them we can do what we want and you can't do anything about it. Now, let me tell you, in yesterday's uh, thumbnail, I said stay frosty. For anybody who doesn't really know what that means, it was a term that was pretty generally, uh, you know, brought to uh, social uh, popularity through games like uh, Modern Warfare, Call of Duty. Uh, you know, the idea is that you need to stay on your toes at all times. And let me tell you, that is something that's very, very important right now. Another similar term or terminology is to stay dangerous. And basically, that means that anybody looking to do your family harm in a bad way, you're a good guy, they're a bad guy, you need to be dangerous so that if they try to do that, you have something that you can fall back on, something that you can do. Now, we just talked with an individual offline, and they said they don't think that they could bring themselves to use a tool for self-defense. And I was like, I mean, that's a Darwin Award in itself, right? That's like, uh, if you can't bring yourself to protect your own life, at the cost of someone else's harm, then I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, you're, you're really not seeing this world for what it is. This is not candy canes. This is not lollipops. If, if somebody's tasting the rainbow, they're mixing them all together to make that brown poopy color that you get in your mouth when you pour the whole bag in. <laughs> this is a violent world. It does have violent ends. And when people don't start to wake up and see that things are really as bad as we're warning about on this channel, they're either going to get slapped in the face by reality, or hopefully they're lucky enough to not have anything affect them. But let me tell you, the people who are lucky like that are winning the lottery, that's a dwindling figure. And so as we watch these events of our world, I'm just going to ask you to be prepared. Stay as prepared as you can be in everything that you do. What about when you're going potty? You go on number one or number two. You have a self-defense tool there because let me tell you, if a person gets caught that off guard while they're doing the dookie, right? They're going number two, going potty time. How many people are ready to stay dangerous at that time? Not very many. What about if you're eating dinner? What about if you're sleeping? What about all these other things? Do you have the force multipliers in order to make it so that somebody can't just come bust in, bust it open, and you're stuck with your own self, bust it open. It's time to be ready. Good luck, everyone.
morning, Black family. Sadat here. Got Sister Lisa Cabrera. Just dropped this nine minutes ago. Says U.S. Census prediction projections predict the onset of the U.S. population decline. It's 14 minutes, 20, 28 seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, the U.S. Census just put out a projection on the U.S. population. The U.S. population is declining, just like the European population is declining. It's just that, you know, you got people in charge that love fudging numbers and playing with numbers. And, And I think when they give these far out projections, what they're actually doing is trying to buy themselves more time to stay in power, you know, but there is no buying of any kind. When your time is done, it is over period. So they're claiming that the U.S. population projected to peak at 2080. Now, I saw another article. It said 2030. So you can see, you know, these are all just fudging of numbers that we always get. So this is according to an analysis put out by the U.S. Census. Projections released this past Thursday On the country's population, it will reach nearly 370 million by 2080. And by 2100, it will decline down to 366 million. It's the first time the census projections have indicated the U.S. population will decline, according to William Fry, a demographic. Uh, for the Brookings Institute. But as the U.S. population ages and the birth rate declines, we know whose birth rate is declining. These latest census projections reveal how the numbers of newcomers arriving in the U.S. could significantly change this picture going forward. Yeah, see, that's why they're trying to rush all these immigrants in here, you know, their population is declining pretty quickly. Trust me, they wouldn't be doing all of this if it wasn't. And our population is growing, but we are going through a medical apartheid. You know, when our women go in a hospital healthy, and then all of a sudden they die during childbirth or the baby dies. These are not natural things happening, y'all. It's not. You know, I guess they figure their numbers are in the toilet, so they're going to make sure our numbers are in the toilet too. So we know the baby boomers are aging out, and they're going to continue to age out, and they are the biggest population, especially in the white community. So when their baby boomers are gone, their population is going to be much smaller than what it is now. It's already happening to the children. Their 
are less white children in this country now. It's not as many. So now, in addition to what this analysis predict is the most likely scenario based on current immigration trends, which they are forcing upon us. All of this stuff is being forced upon us, y'all. All of it is. The projections show that the U.S. population growth could look like uh, with higher immigration, lower immigration, or zero immigration. In the zero immigration scenario, the U.S. population would peak next year with 333.4 million. In lower immigration scenario, it would peak at 345.9 million in 2043. If immigration increases, then the population is projected to continue climbing through the end of the century. So, ladies and gentlemen, these projections emphasize that immigration is even a bigger contributor to long-term or to our demographic growth and stability than perhaps it was in the past. You know, wait, well, you got to understand the people that are putting these numbers out, their numbers are declining. So they're trying to look for other scenarios and keeping the population up, although they won't be able to do it. So their answer is immigrants. And I'm telling y'all, immigration is not the answer. It is not the answer. And you'll see what I mean. Number one, these immigrants, if something goes wrong in America, they all go right back across that border and go home. They have zero loyalty to this country. They don't have no loyalty here whatsoever. All right? If a war break out, these immigrants ain't going to get on the front line. They're going to go home. That's what they're going to do. They're going to go home. And, you know, you got to also look at the changing of presidents. Now, Biden has decided to open the floodgates. So they're coming in every which way right now. But right now, Trump is actually leading uh, Biden by big margins in certain states. And Trump is going to get these people the hell up on out of here. He's going to have them thrown right out of here. And all these perks and everything they're getting, he's going to take all that mess away. All right. So giving these projections, that's all it is. It's a projection. And if things keep going as they are, Trump will defeat Biden. Biden just don't have the numbers. And he done ticked off the black community. You know, you don't know what kind of turnout that's going to happen when it comes down to the black vote at this particular time. So when you say if you have high immigration, but you got Trump stepping back in, your high immigration would be temporary, wouldn't it? 
I'm just saying. And I and I said it before, I don't believe immigrants are the answer. You know, you don't really have that stable population among them. And number two, immigrants can't vote. At least the way you have the laws now, they can't even vote. So I don't know. But we shall see. But I, I don't believe immigration is the answer. America is in desperate mode, especially the people that have the low birth rate. They're in desperate mode now. All right. So the census analysis also predicts a slower rate of population growth than previous projections due to a new data reflecting recent trends. Census demographer Sandra Johnson said in a news release, the U.S. has experienced notable shifts in the components of population change over the last five years, Johnson said. Some of these, like the increase of mortality caused by the pandemic, are expected to be short-term, while others, including the decline for decades, yes, like since the 50s, are likely to continue into the future. Why focus on immigration? Well, here's why they are saying this government is focusing heavily on immigration. Expert will, experts look at three factors when predicting population growth, births, deaths, and immigration. For years, demographers have pointed out that the U.S. population growth rate is slow as birth rates decline. When that happens, in the past, immigration has made the difference up. But how many people come to the U.S. can change based on policies and politics here and around the world? A document explaining Thursday's census projection says immigration is most uncertain of the population change component used in projections. How the U.S. compares to other nations, but despite the uncertainty, immigration is uh, important. This is what they're saying. See, they're not talking about, y'all, they're not talking about the Haitians and the Africans. They're talking about the ones coming out of South America. They may not be white, but they're close enough. That's what they're talking about. We're a country that's getting older. It's growing more slowly. Immigration is able to put some of the brakes on so that we're not in the situation of Japan or Germany or Italy. But you know what, y'all? Those places also tried immigration. You just got to go and look. Those places also tried immigration, which have more difficulty in terms of the already slow labor force and declining populations. Overall, the world's population is rising, but could peak at a record of 10.4 billion by the mid 
2080s, according to the United Nations. And this year, India overtook China to become the world's most populous country. Meanwhile, China and many Eastern European nations have started to see birth rates drop. In fact, I mean, even in the West part of Europe, they have seen a major drop in births. Now, I did a story a few weeks ago where Italy reported no births in the entire country for the last three months. So, um, you know, that is probably going to get worse. Wait until they go six months or even eight months or a whole year. It's definitely coming. Many demographers and economists see cause for concern, but some environmental activists describing potential population declines as a trend that could help the planet. Still, Fry says something about the latest census projection stands out. The low rate of population growth and the projections of a decline are something we've really not seen for most of our lifetime until now. Yeah, I mean, that's true. We're at the end, and the final don't need no population growth. And I don't believe there's going to be much of that, even with immigrants. But, y'all, we shall see how this unfolds. I'm just telling y'all, I don't believe immigrants is going to be able to save America. You know, you just got people in desperation mode right now. And that's why they're doing these things. Because you heard what Joe Biden said. Oh, and you know, the Hispanics here. Bigger than you, you might have to go to them to get things done. <laughs> we don't go to them to get nothing done now. Please. Y'all, please tell me what you think about this video. Please leave your comment and subscribe. Don't forget to hit on the notification bell, and I'll see you on the next video. Peace, family. Now you talk about to the Lord. If you're not already subscribed to this YouTube channel, go ahead and hit the subscribe button now, along with the bell icon, so you can be notified whenever a new video is posted. And if you're already subscribed, check and make sure that YouTube has an unsubscribe. And of course, be sure to give the video a like as well as share it on your social media. The white supremacists and the bootlegs hate that. And now, the Sunday address. You know, there's some really slow Negroes out there. They think that because they put on a badge, that means that they've escaped blackness. Marilyn Mosby, the former prosecutor for Baltimore, was one of these deluded individuals. See, just like police officers, district attorneys also have badges. Did you know that? It's true. And for a lot of Negroes, they think that badge represents the dominant society, giving them a pass, telling them they made it. Made it out of being black. Now, of course, they don't have the authority to go after white power, and most of them don't. 
but they do have the ability to go after black people full time. And as long as they do, they'll be allowed to keep their toy badge and whatever delusions they're operating under. But even so, occasionally, some bootlick or other has to get that wake-up call. White supremacy loves a prank that takes a long time to pay off so they can see the look on the mark's face when it's time to finally go in. After the murder of Freddie Gray, Marilyn Mosby made a spectacle of herself. She told people that she was seeking justice, etc. She wasn't even trying. She didn't want a conviction because, like all these bootlicks in public office, the main thing she wants is to make it to higher office. So don't kid yourself and think that she was actually trying to convict Freddie Gray's killers. She wasn't. All that political theater she was putting on was for the benefit of the angry black citizens of Baltimore. It was for show, and she got her 15 minutes of fame, though the public wasn't really going for it. Marilyn was letting some of the white media and some of these black feminists gas her head up and tell her that she was something sweet. Oh, but reality always has the last word. Marilyn's been spending the last couple of years with her name back in the headlines, but not for anything good. See, apparently she thought that she could do some of the things she saw these white politicians doing. Taking government money, spending it on whatever, and nothing was going to happen to her. After all, she had a badge. So she began to make some questionable moves to get some fast cash from the government. In 2020, she withdrew $90,000 from Baltimore City's Deferred Compensation Plan. Basically, it was her city retirement account she was pulling money from. Of course, it's not illegal to withdraw money from one's retirement account early. But in Mosby's case, she would have had to pay a 10% federal tax penalty. The only way to avoid that was if she claimed that the withdrawal was necessary because of hardship due to the coronavirus. On her paperwork, the reason that she gave for pulling the money from her account early was that her business was in terrible shape due to the pandemic. The feds said that that was perjury. Her salary as a DA actually had gone up $10,000 that year. I can't imagine anything she's done worthy of that much of a raise, but in a city corrupt as Baltimore, I'm disgusted but not surprised. Okay, so obviously it wasn't because she was making less money, she was making more. But what did she do with that money she withdrew? She bought a house in Florida near Orlando for $545,000. And she bought a condo in Florida's Longboat Key for $476,000. So she really wanted to have some property in Florida is what that means. She wanted that Florida property bad. Racist Ron DeSantis's Florida, mind you. That's where she wanted to go to. And she went into debt to the tune of nearly a million dollars to get it. Prosecutors say that she also committed crimes when she lied on her federal and put a lien on her Baltimore property due to $45,000 in back taxes she owed. Prosecutors also say she lied on her paperwork when she claimed the property would be a second home. They say she did that because by claiming that this property was going to be a second home, she could get a lower interest rate than if she admitted that it was going to be an investment property. In reality, she had already made an agreement with a management company who would operate this property as a short-term rental. So before she even bought it, she already had someone waiting to rent it out for her. She couldn't even wait until the paperwork was done to buy the property first. She had to sign paperwork to have it rented out beforehand. Isn't this woman supposed to be a lawyer? Shouldn't she already know all this? Well, I guess when you get your law degree from a strip club, they don't cover the part about document perjury. So, the case the feds had on her is that she lied about the reason she wanted to withdraw her retirement funds so she could avoid paying that 10% federal tax penalty, then lied about the Florida property being a second home so she could avoid the taxes she would have had to pay if she admitted it was an investment property, and she lied about the taxes she was behind on because that would have made her a riskier client for a mortgage company and hence brought about a larger interest rate. Basically, they claim she told a bunch of lies to save money on every step of her plan to acquire and sell some real estate in Florida. 
And by the way, that half a million dollar property she bought, it was an eight bedroom, 4,000 square foot property that was close to Disney World. Now in July of 2021, Marilyn and her husband finally paid their back taxes. And a few months after that, in November 2021, she sold that Florida property for a $150,000 profit to, get this, a buyer from Baltimore. I guess nobody in Florida wanted it, huh? According to the Baltimore Sun, the buyer was a woman named Grace Nyako. Nyako didn't list a physical address, but instead used a post office box in Baltimore. When the Baltimore Sun reached out to Nyako, she claimed she didn't know Marilyn Mosby and declined to discuss the matter. Well, I can't blame her. All the prosecution is going on. Why say anything that could get you in trouble? So that's the reason that Marilyn Mosby was dragged into court. Keep in mind, this woman was getting paid $250,000 a year to be an incompetent prosecutor. That's a lot of money for a DA who can't keep the thugs with or without badges in check. Oh, but she's too cute with her buddy ruckus bottom blonde hair dye, don't you know? No cure for stupid. And you'll notice that while the protests were going on, she was talking about how she had law enforcement in her family, one who was trying to have it both ways. Now, her audience for that pathetic statement were the white political powers that she wanted to stay in the good graces of. And this is how they repaid her. She lost her re-election bid last year in the primary, no less. She didn't even make it to the general election. She's now been replaced by a Democrat, some guy named Ivan Bates. He was a defense attorney, and now he's a prosecutor. So nice to see that revolving door still swinging. The part that makes me laugh, though, is that Mosby's attorney said she couldn't get a fair trial in Baltimore due to negative media coverage. Ain't that something? This black female DA who, to hear her tell it, the whole town loves her sticking drawers and trusted her implicitly. Yes, she says she couldn't get a fair trial in Baltimore. But it's not over for Mosby yet. She still faces another federal trial, this one for two counts of making false mortgage applications for the vacation. The date for that trial hasn't been set yet. Now, before I go any further, I know this might sound contradictory, especially given all the praise I've just heaped on Mosby. I actually agree with she and her boosters say that black politicians are disproportionately targeted by prosecutors compared to white ones. And for the IRS to go after someone for early withdrawals of retirement funds and to actually check and see if they lied on their paperwork, that's a little bit too convenient for my taste, especially due to the mountain of PPE loan applications and other coronavirus measures. So much of a paperwork backlog that the government has, it's unbelievable that the federal government knew to go after Mosby unless someone told them to. Sure, she owed money on her taxes, but nothing she did constitutes a big money crime. Hell, I wouldn't be surprised if she were the government to go through and some of her pals probably said, don't worry, other people mean white persons. I've already done this and none of them got caught, so don't worry about it. Not saying that that's what happened, but the truth of the matter is if people hear these rumors and they see other folks doing something like that, it's certainly within the realm of imagination. Now, while Marilyn Mosby is hardly on the side of the angels, it's also true that government isn't hype. They didn't just happen to stumble onto what she was doing. This smells like someone tipped them off. Baltimore isn't that far from D.C. after all. But Mosby is learning a hard lesson about how white power actually works. That badge that she had didn't insulate her. She had nuisance suits against her that wouldn't have been dignified except that they were filed by people with genetic immunity from law, which she doesn't have. So, one Negro who thought their badge meant white power like them is getting her wake-up call. And that brings us to Officer Eric Adams of the NYPD, who also moves the city's mayor. Just the day after Mosby was convicted in her federal trial, the feds announced that they've seized Officer Adams' phone and his iPad, 
reports are that they came up and took them right off of him in person. This is part of a corruption probe that they're conducting, and why is that? Well, back in 2021, Eric Adams was Brooklyn's borough president. The New York Times reports allegations that the Turkish government wanted to use a particular building as their concept. The problem was that the building wasn't open yet because the New York Fire Department had refused to sign off on whether it was safe to occupy. Now, this building is not in Brooklyn, it's in Manhattan. Apparently, Adams had been asked by the Turkish Consul General whether he could get the Turks a temporary certificate of occupancy. Adams sent a text to the city's fire chief asking him if he could look into it, though there's currently no evidence that Adams asked the chief to actually do anything in particular, nor did the text show any criminal activity. Now, when Adams ran for mayor, three members of a Turkish organization called the Turkin Foundation gave <coughs> $6,000 to his campaign. The Turkin Foundation was created by Bilal Erdogan, who's the son of Turkey's president, Recep Erdogan. Back in July, six people were charged in an alleged scheme to divert tens of thousands of dollars to Adams' campaign through straw donors. Straw donors are a way for big money campaign contributors to circumvent campaign finance limits by recruiting individuals who they can give their money to, and then these straw donors give that money to the intended politician under their own name, and that way the big money donors can exceed campaign donation limits. Two of the six people who were charged have already pleaded guilty. And while Adams wasn't implicated, it just adds one flattering to the city's top cop, er, I mean, his honor. The prince has also taken money from the Turks before. In 2018, he received over $12,000 that time from Turkish interests. He's also made frequent trips to Turkey. He claims that he did it to attract international business to New York. Well, looks like he did. Only the business didn't go to the city. It seems to have all come straight to him. Now, Eric Adams was doing that whole what about black on black crime thing, you recall, when he was running for mayor. And after he became mayor, he chose a stop and frisk proponent to be his police commissioner. This mumble mouth creep, he just knew that these rich racists in New York loved him. And he was going to go to Congress next, or at the very least, he would be next in line to become New York's governor, or so he thought. Now, isn't it interesting how the white media gives these big stories talking about how there's so many black politicians in prominent positions every election cycle, we get subjected to a barrage of those kind of puff pieces. I mean, they big up these clowns crazy, talking nice about them, and then inevitably the white media winds up running a ton of stories about them being investigated and allegations of wrongdoing, and they dig up every bit of dirt, stuff that you never heard of. Now, remember when Eric Adams was running for mayor of New York? How many stories did the white media run about his Turkish connections and the campaign money? No, they were doing nothing but pieces, talking about him like he was the second coming. See, they already knew all this information. That's the reason why they had it all on hand. The same thing they do with these bootlegs whenever it's time to take them down. And when they do, they make sure to say, we gotta go after them on everything. Take their money, take their freedom. You got Newsweek already running articles saying that Eric Adams is gonna be on his way to prison, potentially. The white media specializes in building Negroes up just so they can tear them into pattern, and it's been that way for decades, but these bootlegs never learn. They act like obedient little puppies when the white media pats them on the head. You can see their tails wagging, their forked tongues panting. It's pathetic. And when white power dismantles them, it's equal parts pitiful and hilarious. Now, I know that some of you have mentioned that Adams is probably being targeted by Biden's administration because A, they need to take criticism and any sort of attention off of Hunter Biden, and also because with all the criticism of the charges against Trump, these things might be trumped up a little bit. Well, they need to show that they're even-handed. But they're not going to be going after Hunter Biden to prove that, or any white politician of any note. 
Instead, they're targeting black ones. That's the game. And also, when it comes to Adams' opposition to New York taking in any more migrants, there may be more than little truth to the idea that this is a shot across his personal bow. Biden and the boys telling him he better stop giving Massa any backtalk. As far as proving quid pro quo on Adams to task the feds, but it doesn't have to be, the white media is saying the situation could land Officer Adams in prison. Now, isn't it a little bit early to be using that kind of talk? This is just a probe, after all. Not even an official criminal investigation, no charges, not even anyone pointing the finger at him. But just the very fact that there's a probe that has his name attached to it, you got the white media already saying there's a chance he's going to be going to prison. They want to put that idea out there. They want prosecutors to be thinking, how do we get this guy in a prison cell? How do we put his empty head on our trophy wall? The message is being sent. A wake-up call for these bootlegs, but of course one they won't pick up because they never do. As these bootlegs see it, they don't need white people. They've escaped blackness. Why, they're doing just fine on their own. They're going to be swimming through this white supremacist society like a fish through a pond. This is why Adams does nothing for black people, and in fact, he ran on a campaign of saying the real problem is black-on-black violence. This while black people are calling out violence from the police. Adams, lifelong employer. As long as these bootlegs can keep getting non-black campaign funds, as they see it, they're on the inside. They're playing the game. Of course, it's a game that none of them ever wins. White supremacy has no permanent plans for any of these clowns. Though Officer Adams thought that by showing the same disrespect and contempt for black people as Bloomberg had, he would be supported by the very same white racist who had supported Bloomberg. And for a hot minute, he actually thought it worked. He thought that they liked him. He thought that his spitting in black people's faces meant those racist white donors loved him now. But they don't. He could be a cop, he could be the mayor, he could find a cure for cancer. In their eyes, he's still just another nigger. And Marilyn Mosby, she also thought she was on the inside track. Poor Marilyn. She had been planning to get into investment properties in Florida. I guess that was her exit strategy from public service. Leave Baltimore, use her savings to get into real estate, and go retire in Florida. Too bad nobody ever told her that being a bootleg is a career path that doesn't come with a retirement plan though it does come with a jail cell. And if the white media has its way, Mosby and Adams will wind up buckmates. Good evening, and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Charlie, Philander Bryant, Frederica Moore, Cedric Etheridge, and Latinus. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you.